you have to understand that everybody has to speak up. When you hear something racist, you see something racist, speak up about it. I think people are too uncomfortable with being shunned. Like, no, you're not going to be liked by everybody. But if somebody's going to hate you, let them hate you for doing the right thing. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a lot of people like, I I know that's wrong over there, but I'm not going to say anything because my family and friends might not talk to me. All right, if those people don't want to talk to you for doing the right thing, that's showing you their character. Black folks need to say enough is enough. And white folks need to say, what do you need? That's change. Being pro-black is not anti-white. Yeah, we don't hate white people. But we just want police brutality fixed. We just want cops to stop killing us. The thing that everybody is rioting and protesting is not, I'm black, you're white. Right. Mm -hmm. What we're protesting is police brutality. Mm -hmm. It's time to end it. And the only way to end it is together. That's John Lewis and John Sally. This week on the Rich Roll Podcast. The Rich Roll Podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the podcast. First, let's acknowledge the awesome organizations that make this show possible. We're brought to you today by Momentus. Over the last 16 years, I can safely say that I have tried almost every single plant-based protein out there. And I can tell you that most of them are highly processed with tons of additives and or they taste terrible, they're not third-party tested, or simply just don't hit the nutritional bullseye with a legit science-supported formula with the appropriate amino acid profile that promotes optimal nutrient absorption, which is all just a long way of saying how enthusiastic I was to be introduced to Momentus's 100% plant-based protein, which solves for all of the above and then some with a precise blend of pea and rice proteins, which yields a complete amino acid profile, tastes great, and has become my go-to to to ensure my body is supplied with energy for proper recovery and function. Momentous products are simply the best in the industry, which is why they're used by over 90% of NFL teams, by Olympians, Tour de France champs, and world-class athletes across every sport. With all the BS in the supplement world, I trust Momentous's industry-leading quality standards and quality. Try Momentous for yourself by going to livemomentous.com slash richroll for 20% off plant-based protein and all of their top-of-the-line products. That's L-I-V-E-M-O-M-E-N-T-O-U-S dot com slash richroll for 20% off. We're brought to you today by On. I am a total gearhead. I love researching the latest technology for the sports I enjoy. And I've learned that people often overlook apparel. But what you wear isn't just clothes. It is, without a doubt, technology. Technology that can make or break a performance. And I can tell you, after spending two full days meeting with the apparel wizards at On Labs in Zurich, that On is innovating in this space like no other with next-gen premium fabrics and just this heightened level of sophistication and precision and testing and development and intentionality previously unheard of that puts them just miles beyond the competition. I've been rocking On's high-performance running apparel, including the long tees, the weather jackets, even the climate jacket, all super lightweight, 
tailor fit, built to move, and just gorgeous to get you out and get it done in fleet foot comfort, no matter the weather. I'm super proud to be a brand partner with this impressive team. From increasing product sustainability to improved energy return and impact protection, truly Swiss innovation at its finest. To get you moving, On is offering an exclusive 10% discount. To redeem, head over to on.com slash richroll and use code richroll10 at checkout. We're brought to you today by a very exciting brand new sponsor, Go Brewing. I am sober. I don't drink. And I devoted so many episodes of this podcast to the unreal benefits of an alcohol-free lifestyle. Why? Because even if you don't have issues with booze and suds, no amount of alcohol is good for you. At a minimum, it wreaks havoc on your sleep and produces a hangover that destroys your energy, your mood, and your focus. At worst, it turns your whole life upside down. But no longer does that mean you have to break up with your favorite brew because my pals at Go Brewing are making all your favorite brews, minus the alcohol, fewer calories, and more productive tomorrows. It's not every day that I get the privilege to witness the inception of a company collaborating with our podcast, but that's exactly what happened with Go Brewing. I'm gonna tell you this story. A few years back, I spoke at this event in Illinois, fittingly named Go, and it turns out that that very day catalyzed Joe, the founder, to start his own NA beer company, Go Brewing. I had no idea about any of this until I bumped into Joe at Jesse Itzler's Running Man event the other month in Georgia, and he shared this story with me. I savored his fare in all its varieties and deeply moved by the mission and what he shared with me and just impressed with the insane taste and quality of his alcohol-free concoctions, I wanted to help share the discovery. Made with natural ingredients faithful to traditional beer styles, Go Brewing has an impressive lineup of delicious, small-batch, craft, alcohol-free brews, all without added sugar or artificial processing. My favorite is their double IPA, not just another story, but Basically, you just really can't go wrong because everything they make is brewed to perfection, worthy of trying yourself, which you can now do at gobrewing.com. That's gobrewing.com and use the code RICHROLL for 15% off your first purchase. Okay, my guests today are my good friends, John Lewis and John Sally. Mr. Sally is a straight up legend the first basketball player in NBA history to win four championships with three different teams, the Pistons, the Bulls, and the Lakers in three different decades. How about that? Since retiring in 2000, John has been a consistent presence on television and radio, appearing on countless programs and even creating many of his own shows over the years. He's also a longtime vegan, a passionate animal rights and healthy nutrition advocate for many years something that we discussed at length in his first appearance on the podcast back in 2015. That was episode 180. John is also an absolutely relentless entrepreneur. He's got his hands in more businesses than I can count from vegan wine to cannabis. And his latest venture is Cafe Organics, which is a brand new plant-based restaurant, which just opened last week, I believe, in San Bernardino. The intention being to put an end to the food deserts that plague the black and brown communities that reside there. 
John Lewis, AKA the badass vegan, is a public speaker. He's a personal trainer. He's also an entrepreneur, a longtime friend. Just one of the friendliest, most positive personalities in the vegan movement, who has taken a new career turn lately as a filmmaker, partnering up with our mutual friend, Keegan Kuhn, who you might know as the director behind Cowspiracy, What the Health, and Running for Good, on this powerful new documentary they're collaborating on called They're Trying to Kill Us, which takes a look at the impact of food and health injustice on disenfranchised African-American communities, which is also a subject I first explored with Mr. Lewis in our first podcast together back in 2016. That was episode 260. We're gonna break it all down today. Black Lives Matter, the protests, police misconduct, the nature of systemic racism, the role religious institutions play in embedding white supremacy, the importance of black leadership and black entrepreneurship, food injustice, of course, and what is required of all of us to make things right, including what black and brown communities need from white allies so that we can grow, change, and do better together. I should say that the conversation about the movie, They're Trying to Kill Us, which takes place near the end of the podcast was a bit briefer than I would have preferred, but I will definitely have uh, John Lewis and Keegan Kuhn back on the show to discuss the documentary in detail upon its completion, which uh, is near and promises to be quite powerful. In the meantime, I encourage you to check out the incredibly compelling trailer for the documentary, which I posted on my Instagram page on, I believe, June 24th. And finally, uh, this one, which uh, is a bit all over the place at times. Both Johns are prone to tangents. Sally is Sally. That's why we love him. Uh, it's first of all, packed with expletives. So pop on the earbuds if you got kiddos in the backseat. Uh, and it's also provocative. Uh, it's a conversation I suspect might be uncomfortable for some, maybe for many. At the same time, these guys are a total blast. They're super fun. I love them dearly, both of them. So strap in and prepare for the testimony of John Lewis and John Sally. So why don't we just start with what's going on? Like, give me your take on where we're at right now. I really want to hear like your perspective on what you think is going on. I mean, right now it just feels like it feels like we're at a spot where people realize that they have to use their voice now. And, and I mean, everybody. Like, we're starting to see, like, a team effort to battle racism. Like, we realize black people can't do it alone, and white people have to speak up. And I'm starting to see that that's actually what's happening. Mm-hmm. And But I want, I want every white person out there that's helping or that's thinking about helping, I want y'all to understand that there's probably not going to be any awards. There's not going to be any <laughs> pat on the back. There's not going to be uh, uh, a high five. Like you're doing it just because you know it's right. And I think as long as they understand that, you know, because I, I see people like, well, I, I went to this march. It's like, yeah, that's great. But there's a lot more going on. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as everything that's going on, I think it's been going on. It's just getting revealed. Yeah. This is, this is not anything new. I mean... Not to call him out, but John's older than me, so I'm sure he's seen more than me. Mm-hmm. And 
just from like I grew up in Ferguson, like we talked about before. Yeah. I've seen worse almost, you know? So it's just like it's time to end it. And the only way to end it is together. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I think they're they're look, those changes at the highest level politically, um, require a certain level of will, right? And that will is a reflection of popular support. And I've never seen this level of popular yeah, yeah. support. So it's about figuring out how to harness that and channel it in the right direction mm-hmm. so that it doesn't just dissipate and then we're back to some version of, of normal. Because, um, and I think like what we don't wanna do is make the mistake of what happened with Ferguson. Like we talked about Ferguson last time, you growing up there mm-hmm. and everything that happened there in 2014. And I think there was a sense that after that, there were gonna be some changes and we didn't really see that, right? Yeah. Yeah. This does feel different to me. I don't know if it does to you. No, but, definitely. Um, I think there's an opportunity here. Yeah. I- <clears throat> Tell me the My truth, patience. John. I know. I'm, I'm yeah. sitting there. I told I told John before. <laughs> I said I'm, I'm gonna be quiet most of the time. No, I don't want you to be quiet. My patience is up. I'm 56 years old. So in 1964, the Civil Rights Act was passed. So if you were born before 1964, black folks had no civil rights. And we still had to fight to the point where Martin Luther King got killed four years later, and then the riots. Then 47 days after the riots, the Civil Rights Act was uh, enacted. Mm -hmm. That's when it took effect. It got to go literally the only way this country or most people have ever, ever, ever dealt with things is when it hurt them in their pocket. Mm -hmm. Do I think it's the right thing to do? No, I don't think anybody's stuff should be burned down. I don't think anybody should be in this situation. But you know what? From what it seems like, it seems like it's a lot of talk and it does not feel real. So the change doesn't have to come, uh, like John said, from both sides. The change, the reason what he means by the change got to come from both sides is black folks need to say enough is enough and white folks need to say, what do you need? Mm -hmm. That's the change. They can't help us. White folks can't help us. We mm-hmm. gotta help ourselves and we gotta do it this way, period. Like, you know, someone said, we ain't got no money. We, we do. We gotta, we gotta now crowdfund and source to ourselves. We now have to build things um, that help us as a community. We now have to separate, like, we, we gotta take a second, we gotta step away. Mm-hmm. Integration was at this point. We love the allies. But we as black folk got to step away. Got to step away and figure out which one of us are like Candace Owens and which one of us are like Killer Mike. Yeah. This is the difference. And this is the problem. When you separate, everybody stays separate. But we have to pick a side. We have to either say we're going to go this way or we're going to go that way. And we have to make a decision that those on this side raise their ways and those on this side raise theirs before we try to mirror we try to put it together and what we got was a vietnam war and drugs in our community i was 10. so we got to change that look i think we got to be we got to act like americans when we didn't when they no longer wanted to be subjects of great britain Mm 
And Malcolm X said, you know, if you talk about a revolution, there's nothing nice about it. It's mm -hmm. nothing cute about it. And if it doesn't, if it doesn't, we're going to go back mm -hmm. to the normacy. And the normacy was wrong. Mm -hmm. And that's why when you hear, you know, make America great again, we're like, when the fuck was it great for us? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, like we had some moments, you know, like put it this way. For people out there that, that listen, when they when you when your rebuttal is black people had it bad, had it good, they had Michael Jordan or they had Barack Obama. If you could only think of five people as the barometer of we had it good, that's not good. Mm -hmm. Like you know what I'm saying? Like and, and people no. do it all the time. Yeah, no, we everyone knows it wasn't good. The deal is, what we're we gonna do? Like. Do we send money to the NCA, uh, NCA, NAACP, NAACP? <laughs> same too. Same, same I mean, right? <laughs> I'm sorry, NAACP. Do we send the money to Black Lives Matters? Right, right. What happens when you send the money there? Um, when they put this in, are we going to hear corruption? And this guy bought Bentley and three houses. Hmm. Like, what? Do, what? What are we going to hear? What, what is going to be the move? Do we send it to Minister Farrakhan? Do we send it to Al Sharpton? Do we send it to Dr. Umar Johnson? Like, we literally need um, leadership. Yeah. One, one thought process, I would say. Mm. Um, and I don't know if it needs to be led by a religious fraction or not. Um, I was going to post something the other day. And Rich... This is the deal. I'm on this show because John asked me to be on. Uh -huh. And I said, you I You hear reluctantly? Him, no. <laughs> no, no, not because, reluctantly. No, no, no. Because no, no. I'm angry uh -huh. and because I'm enraged. But, you know, me being a, a Buddhist, you don't ever react in anger. But it's like, I got 17-year-old daughter and 23-year-old daughter who say to me, how'd you let it get this far? Mm. Like I was in charge. Right. But then I'm like, yeah, how did I, why did I, I posted on my post. It said, know your position, make your choice. Yeah. Now, and that was literally to as many black folks that, because they knew what it was, like, you're going to play the back, mm -hmm. you're going to play the front, mm -hmm. you're going to sit in the house, you're going to be in the field. All those different words came about. And I was like, we have to literally unlearn everything. If we don't unlearn it, um, we're going to start acting like my boy Shamanat, uh, uh, Charlemagne said. He had a book called Black Privilege. Mm -hmm. yeah. And uh, people were like, what are you talking about? And he was like, you got to think about it. He was like, sometimes we act in a certain way as if we're on this side looking at black people like, what the hell? Yeah. When we're supposed to be looking at ourselves like, what the hell? Mm -hmm. So I just said, pick yourself. Pick, Pick exactly what position you want to be in history. Do you, you know, you want to spark it? That's why I decided to open up my own stuff. We, we're going to things, and I'm making everybody else money, posting their stuff. And I was like, <laughs> if I don't, if I don't show these cats, especially nowadays, financial uh, freedom and literacy, yeah, yeah, and growth, and invested into my own thoughts, and this is why no one else is gonna do it. Yeah. Well, you're, I mean, both you guys are 
black business owners. I mean, you got a million businesses, yeah. right? I mean, I can't keep track. It seems to change a lot. I have, <laughs> to, know, I have, to, I have to call right. John up sometimes like, hey, man, is this really you? Like, okay. Right. <laughs> Do you know it's called a uh, 70, 72 means of income? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. So that, Diversify. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you got to have, like, literally the 72 names of God in Hebrew. So if you can have 72 streams of income, as you not only help yourself, you're helping right. everyone right, who's right. associated. So I have I have seven right now. Uh-huh. <laughs> you got it. Right. I got uh, seven. Yeah. <laughs> I'm you tired have, as hell, right? And, and you got you have vegan smart, right? Yeah, you have vegan a, smart, uh, badass vegan as a as a corporation too. Mm-hmm. And then the the production company, Hunger for Justice. So mm-hmm. and that's something we, you know, a lot of people don't realize like the black dollar, black consumers spend one point two trillion dollars a year. How many black businesses are put up front to make that money? Mm-hmm. It's like you're spending and it's going all the way from your community or your people. Now it's like, oh, well, what if you invested that back into the community, back into black corporations, and then other black corporations come about and mm-hmm. it just starts, it's a trickle effect. Yeah. You know, that 1.2 trillion is a lot of money. That's yeah. a lot of baby shoes. You know hair. what I'm saying? Right. Yeah. And it's not. <laughs> It's not going back to the black community, though. Mm-hmm. So they're spending. It's all going out. It's not coming back in. So how do you catalyze entrepreneurship in your community? Mm. Well, we open up Planet Health in Compton, 546 West Compton. Is that, it, your, is that your restaurant? <laughs> yeah. So it's a trip because it's a small restaurant part, but it was like a strip mall. And then it had like an empty lot next to it. So... I got in touch with the guy Moses, who was making the generators to make air, make water out of the atmosphere, mm-hmm. and uh, hopefully going to talk to Ron Finley again about putting a farmers market there. And then we sell hair, uh-huh. coffee. There's a stage for people to talk and get their words out, learn things. That's cool. Small cafe, and then it's a clothing store, but with all stuff made in L.A. Mm. So literally, we did that across the street from New Body. Got to say that, New Era. Because um, we wanted just to take over Compton Avenue. I just, I, that mentality. And then I opened up Plant Organics Cafe O in San Bernardino in a brown neighborhood. So one of the black neighborhood, one of the brown neighborhood, and health and wellness. So it still fits with what we do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's, I, I wanted to get rid of the, the um, I wanted to make an oasis. I got. I wanted to get rid of the 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 lack of food and mm-hmm. lack of knowledge and health in the black community, right. the brown community. Right. I want to get back to one thing you said earlier about about leadership. Right now, um, you know what is different about this moment versus sixty four MLK. You know Malcolm X is that there is no iconic leader at the moment for this. That leadership is distributed. And, you know, how does that impact this movement? Like both of you guys are, are amongst those leaders. You both have huge profiles. You got people who really care what you think. And I'm sure you take that responsibility seriously and, you know, think long and hard about how you message to your respective communities. But, you know, what does leadership mean in this moment in Black Lives Matter? It means everything. I tell you because, uh, the way everybody is getting their information is literally the same way. It's 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 not diverse. So all the information comes from television and Instagram. Mm-hmm. So you're not you don't have a paper 
that had been, or you have a couple of papers, but none that we don't go and pick up the paper now and read it the same way. Things can be blocked and on on um, on Facebook and on Instagram and and YouTube, and those are the sources we get our information from. It is no, um, we have the we have the paper in you know in Inglewood, but you know it's not that everybody's running out to see what the news is. Uh, we're used to turning on CNN and believing that. Used to turning on Fox and believing that. So. The, the problem with the leadership is who do we trust um, to be 100% on this side and never going to waver? And the only person that was like that was Colin Kaepernick. Mm-hmm. Colin Kaepernick put his neck on the shoulder like Muhammad Ali did, and um, but, but he's not saying, hey, I want to be the leader of this movement. Right. So the, the problem is we just have to find out where, you know, do you go after a celebrity? Do you listen to Dave Chappelle or, or do you check? Like, we don't know. Like, Dick Gregory quit being a comedian to be um, an activist. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it just, but he's passed. So it's like trying to figure out who and what side to move on. Because we have been rich, for, like, for a better word, um, we have been literally massaged into believing it's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. It, we, we, we believe, ah, oh, it's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. We got to literally not feel that. We got, and and who, I don't know who we, we listen to. It's a big trust factor with that. Yeah. It's a big trust factor. Because this time we want to move away from it. We want to get out of it. Yeah. You know, I know I do. Is it because you got to think about like, there are so many people with ulterior motives. It's like, so yeah, maybe they might come in, they might want to help, they might want to do something, but it's like, but what's the ulterior motive? Mm-hmm. And track records have shown, like, <laughs> it's not a big track record of good people <laughs> right now, you know what I'm saying, on, on both sides. So it's yeah. like, who do we want to trust and who wants to take that? Because like, maybe three, four years ago, Kaepernick had that energy. He wanted to do that. Now he's like, well, fuck y'all. Y'all didn't want to listen to me then. You know what yeah, like, yeah, yeah. yeah. listen to me then. Like, you know, I, I moved on because y'all didn't want to listen to me. Yeah. So it's kind of like that. Like, and and then who wants to be torn down by the other side too? Right. Because whoever is gonna be that leader, they're gonna, it's gonna be a mission for other people mm-hmm. to go after them. Mm-hmm. You know, like the premise of Black Lives Matter, there's nothing corrupt about that. There's nothing, but there have been people out from day one. The money's going here. The leadership is this. You know, like the the core of it is good. Of course, you're gonna get people that trickle in that aren't like a hundred percent at the at the protest. They turn into looters and they they do riots. It's like, okay, do you really think that the people of Black Lives Matter is out there, the ones that are literally starting the fires or doing this and that? Like, well. and I'm sure you get it all the time. People are like, well, if Black Lives Matter so much, why do black people kill each other? I'm like, do you think the people in Black Lives Matter are the ones that's killing other black people? Like, do you think, like... I got the answer for that, too. And I, I have to tell people, because I, I know I sounded very strong when I first came on, but being pro-black is not anti-white. Yeah, you don't hate it's, white it's not, people. Just no, <laughs> I, I, you know... Well, there's a lot of moral confusion out there right yeah, now around I don't that. have that, no. I don't have that. Like, literally... Uh, 
I'm, I'm about to sound like a white guy. No, but my <laughs> wife is my wife is 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 half Caucasian, and um, some of my best friends are white. No, uh, <laughs> <laughs> how dare you? <laughs> it doesn't sound crazy uh-huh. the other way around, but but I I literally <laughs> it does. But I just want people to understand that it's like it's not the OJ trial. This is not the Rodney King. Yeah. Like, like, but the fact that we could even go back to that or how people were so separate, how separate the country was and how like black people that didn't even know who OJ was was on his side. Like that kind of stuff we got to get away from, you know. So, and I, I'm glad that my daughter's age, different than ours, are, is they kind of see no color. Mm. That's How are they doing with all of this? Uh, they're angry. My my daughter Giovanna is thirty two. She's she's losing it, and I had to tell her, "Yo, chill." I had to say chill, mm. and yeah. she was like, for you oh, to I was say like, chill. Yeah, for me, I was like, <laughs> chill. I was like, because you're transferring something else into yeah. this. Like, don't transfer. You got to be smart about how this gets done. But the 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 one thing that I will say that. Uh, I love the allies that are on our side, but but we just want police brutality fixed. We don't, all the rest of that shit, we don't want all that. We just want cops to stop killing us. I want. I literally drive the whitest of white cars in the world. <laughs> I drive a Prius. Uh-huh. And, uh, no. <laughs> I did. I How drove do you a fit Prius. In that thing? I drove a Prius and I still got pulled over. No, I'm ah. no, I drive a Tesla, and and I'm driving and, and, shit. and it's even yeah. white. And it's white. Would <laughs> 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 I drive this car? And if I see a police officer, I still second look. Clean up. Mm-hmm. And I was like, "What the hell? I'm 56. I'm still doing that." And you do. I yeah. still second look. And I just want that part to stop. Have you had gnarly encounters in the past? Yeah, when I was playing for the Miami Heat, uh, 19, it was 1994-95. So I'm hanging out with my brother, Michael, and I'm working for Toyota. So I get a Land Cruiser every 4,000 miles. Uh-huh. But it's like the big, this is when Toyota was throwing it out. So I had this big, beautiful white one, and I'm getting on the causeway. We're leaving the club. Now, I don't drink or smoke. So, and we're, we're driving and the cops pull us over on the causeway and tell me to cut the car off, turn the key, drop the keys out of the door, what you call it, open the door with my right hand, get out and walk backwards mm. while their guns were drawn. Then they got me, turned me around, put my face down, put the lights, oh, it's John Sally. Yo, sorry, dude. We, mm. had, we heard somebody, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, I stole a white truck like this on the beach. <laughs> And so my brother was like taking the shit. He was like, come on, we're cool, right? Yo, man, nobody. My brother was like, if I would have tripped, you would have shot me. If I would have stumbled going backwards, you would have you shot me. And it never clicked until my brother told me that. Mm. And he was like, Sally, we're cool, right? I was like, mm-hmm. Got in the car. We get 20 minutes from my house. You ain't say shit. I still couldn't say anything. I was like. Yeah. And I was like, wow. But um, I got about six of them. But they become so, I become so numb to it until I saw George Floyd. It was amazing. It was like uh, like those girls calling in on Harvey Weinstein and Bill Cosby. Like, oh, I... Exactly. Yeah, I've seen like that before. Something clicked. 
Mm-hmm. And that was like, man, that could have been, that could have been me. And the trip is, I posted today, a white dude going through the same thing. So it wasn't just black. It was police brutality. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And that's what I keep saying to people. They keep thinking I'm making it black. No, I'm making it police brutality. And my my cousin is like a chief, was a top captain. My other cousin's a chief in the police, I mean, fire department. My brother's a correctional officer. I get it, but they still overstep their bounds. So when you hear defund the police? No. No, I said fund the police. Mm. So now we could know what they need to do is if we got snitches in jail, we need snitches in the police department. Find out which ones. Uh, on the air, uh, believe that the Aryan race is strong enough, find them, tag them, get them out. What they're going to do is start their own police force. So now you got to watch them. So we watched Black Klansmen. We watched Mississippi Burning. We saw all these, all these things are imitating life. We watched it, knowing what it was about, police brutality. Now we need to stop it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's obvious that that we need we need a healthy police force. I, you know, I don't know why anyone would be calling for the abolition of the police. I'm certainly not anti-cop, but but I think we need to figure out how to allocate those funds yeah. appropriately yeah. so they're going in the Give right them direction. More money. Yeah. We got to train these people better. They need to be able to manage their emotions under pressure. They need to be adequately trained with firearms. They need to know how to handle high conflict situations. Like. It just, if there's anything that comes out of all of these videos, it's that these people are ill-equipped for high-stress situations. Yeah. They should stand down. Soon racist or not, high, I'm not saying go. they're not racist, right. but. But yeah. even, even, even one, a lot of them need to know the law. We need to retrain police officers to know the law and know the rights. That's the deal. They don't know the rights. They believe they're above the law. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So when you don't know the rights of the citizen, you will violate them, right? Um, power is corrupting. Absolute power is absolutely corrupting. So if you think I got the gun and the badge and, and you Eddie Murphy, this me. shit, yeah, who are you? I'm a nigga with a badge, mm-hmm. right? That means I get the right to kick your ass whenever I feel like it. Well, that is a mentality. It wasn't just Eddie doing it in the movie. That's a mentality. And I said, when we know that the thing that everybody is rioting and protesting is not, I'm black, you're white. Right. It sounds like it. Mm-hmm. But what we're protesting is police brutality. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Period. And they, they need to know that it's, it's consequences to their actions. Right now, like you said, with them thinking they're above the law, just like, yeah, I can whoop your ass. Mm-hmm. There's nothing wrong with that. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's the mentality right mm-hmm. now. It's like, if I, anybody, if they find out they can do something and then later on they realize, oh, well, nothing's going to happen to me? Their morality, right. it, that, that, that paradigm shifts for them. Like, well, I know this is wrong, but I get away with it every day. And layer on top of that, the fact that that opportunity is attractive for a certain person who gets into that field exactly. of work because mm-hmm. of whatever trauma or abuse that person suffered in their life that that makes that job Revenge. sound appealing. Revenge They're going to do RoboCop. Exactly. Was, it, was it RoboCop? Yeah, it was RoboCop, yeah. <laughs> RoboCop's yeah. about to come, man. <laughs> then everybody's up Shit's Creek. <laughs>
If you're serious about optimizing your sleep, listen up. I've spent countless hours researching and testing various methods to improve my nightly shut-eye, and I can confidently say that it all starts with a good foundation. And if your bed is old, if it's uncomfortable, lumpy, then your sleep inevitably is going to be impacted. So it's important to invest in a quality mattress, one that's insanely comfortable, that's organic, sustainably made, and that, my friends, is a birch mattress. Fairtrade and Rainforest Alliance certified with the finest quality organic natural materials like organic Fairtrade cotton. Birch mattresses are made with none of the toxic chemicals and off-gassing produced by most major brands. Kind of important not to be breathing that for a third of your life, I'd say. Plus, it's super luxurious. I've been sleeping on Birch for about five years, and I'd say it's the perfect ratio of soft to supportive And the craftsmanship is just next level. I've got one in every room of my house. I love it. Pretty sure you will too. And right now, Birch is giving 20% off all mattresses and two free EcoRest pillows at birchliving.com slash richroll. That's 20% off and two free EcoRest pillows. Sleep better with Birch. We're brought to you today by recovery.com. I've been in recovery for a long time. It's not hyperbolic to say that I owe everything good in my life to sobriety. And it all began with treatment and experience that I had that quite literally saved my life. And in the many years since, I've in turn helped many suffering addicts and their loved ones find treatment. And with that, I know all too well just how confusing and how overwhelming and how challenging it can be to find the right place and the right level of care especially because, unfortunately, not all treatment resources adhere to ethical practices. It's a real problem, a problem I'm now happy and proud to share has been solved by the people at recovery.com who created an online support portal designed to guide, to support, and empower you to find the ideal level of care tailored to your personal needs. They've partnered with the best global behavioral health providers to cover the full spectrum of behavioral health disorders, including substance use disorders, depression, anxiety, eating disorders, gambling addictions, and more. Navigating their site is simple. Search by insurance coverage, location, treatment type, you name it. Plus, you can read reviews from former patients to help you decide. Whether you're a busy exec, a parent of a struggling teen, or battling addiction yourself, I feel you. I empathize with you. I really do. And they have treatment options for you. Life in recovery is wonderful. And recovery.com is your partner in starting that journey. When you or a loved one need help, go to recovery.com and take the first step towards recovery. To find the best treatment option for you or a loved one, again, go to recovery.com. What is the meaning of life? What happens when we die? What is our purpose here? If like me, you ponder these delicious existential questions, I have got just the thing for you. It's called Soul Boom. It's a podcast hosted by everyone's favorite best friend and my friend, the deep thinking and deeply hilarious Rain Wilson, where he communes with intellectuals and entertainers, theologians and philosophers in intimate exchanges that tickle the mind, heart, and yes, the soul. Subscribe to Soul Boom on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts and explore other groundbreaking series at voicingchange.media.
I'm sure you've had run-ins with the police too, right? Yeah. I, uh, one case that always sticks out to me is that uh, I was in I was in college. I played college ball. I was going to a classmate's house to meet up with her, and they lived in a a better neighborhood. You know, this is I, I lived in Ferguson. They live in a better neighborhood. I'm riding over. I got this uh, a nine eight Oldsmobile. If anybody ever like, like it's it's beat up. It's a hoopty. Whatever. I'm driving it, and I noticed the cop get behind me. And mind you, I'm still looking for her house because I don't. I've never been in the area really. Mm. So I am driving a little slow. And then he puts the lights on. I'm like, and automatically, like you say, like fear. Like I, I remember just a segue. I remember I put out a post about three or four years ago. And I was like, for everybody out here, I want you to answer. If you get pulled over, what's the first thought that goes in your mind? Most white people were like, oh, you know, maybe a ticket, this and that. Most black people were like, I might fucking die. So that's a big shift mm. for people to understand like yeah we might even if i don't die i'm probably gonna end up with some kind of injury like that's for a ticket whatever so he's pulling me over but i waited till i got like more in front of her house because i always remember rodney king i'm like i want witnesses like whatever's about to happen to me this is before cell phones had cameras uh-huh. it was like 90 97 something like that so i'm like all right so i get there but i i called her i'm like hey i'm outside um the cops just pulled me over. I'm just letting you know in case something happens. So he comes up. He's got his he he unflaps the gun. Mm-hmm. He's got the he's got his hand on the gun, and he's like, uh, "What are you doing here?" That's that's the first question. Like I'm not allowed to be. I was like, "Oh well, I'm meeting up with a classmate. We're um we're about to do our paper together. My book bag is right here. Hey, don't move your arms. My bad. I'm just showing you my book bag is right here. So now four other cops have showed up. And by the time we like keep getting our conversation going, he's like, "Why didn't you stop when the, I first turned the light on?" I was like, "Well, I was nervous. I just want to make sure it was witnesses." This and that. he's like, "No, you stop when you when the lights come on." I'm like, "Well, I was in the middle of the street too, so pull over." And uh, he gets my license registration, goes back to the car. I'm telling him like I'm still outside. I see her come outside on the porch. Her father was like a a state official, some kind. Uh-huh. So he comes out. He's like, "Hey, what's going on?" They're like, "Oh, this guy. He meets the description of the guy. Him and the car meet the description of the guy that just robbed a grocery store mm. around the corner." And I'm like, "Well, damn! Like, was he in a cutoff t-shirt? Why? Because I'm like, I just can't play a ball. Like, I'm not like, <laughs> you know, like who who robs a store? That's like t-shirt? so many stories, though. It's just so gone crazy, terribly wrong. And now, mind you, I'm I, I am I'm a 20 year old guy, you know, I'm not even, I'm, I'm nervous as hell, you know, like I, and everybody's like, oh, if you just comply, I'm like, man, when the fear kicks in, you're like, dude, I might die right now. Like, you don't know what you're going to do. So I'm sitting there waiting on everything to go through. Finally, they come back. Luckily they stayed on the porch and waited. And I think that that literally made this whole story change. Mm. So finally they gave me the papers back. No, he's not the guy. They go come back to, uh, my classmate's father, he calls into the office or whatever because they just wanted to check. Like, was there a robbery? They're like, no, there hasn't been a robbery at any grocery store in that area in the last, like, five years. Just made it up. So they just made the shit up. But I just didn't fit like I should have mm, been in that neighborhood. Right, right. Now, mind you, the classmate was black, too. But she has, like, a, a Lexus. Uh-huh. And I'm riding around in the night. You know, like, it was just so... 
And I'm telling you, like, I was nervous, like, the whole time. Like, the whole time. But he was pissed. wearing a cutoff t-shirt? Like, no, no, showing the cut stomach? Off. No, oh. cutoff arm. Yeah. Like, no. <laughs> I was like, were you wearing a crop top? Yeah. Maybe you got pulled over for the crop top. <laughs> Lime green? Yeah. yeah. Like, <laughs> were y'all oh, working on dance steps? Oh, man. No, it was like a basketball shirt. So, you know, but it, like, but it pisses you off afterwards. Like, mm. It's like, why would you even fuck with somebody like that for no reason? Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not saying there's not bad people out there. So the guy just, he saw the car. He's like, this is a this is a tweaked ride this guy's got. Like, he looks like he's black, like lights up. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah he shouldn't be in this neighborhood. It's a mm-hmm. beat up car. Like the car is beat the fuck up. So yeah. like, he's like, no, this car shouldn't be in this area. Right. What's going on? I'm like, but if I'm gonna do something shady, I wouldn't be going slow. You wouldn't slow. be creeping right. slow. Yeah, I wouldn't yeah. be creeping slow. Like, why would I creep around it? Like, so it was just, but it's so many stories like that. I mean, I've had I've had more run-ins myself, but it's like, and that's the messed up part is because you you're you're kind of powerless because mm. they have supposedly absolute power, and absolute power corrupts you. It it makes you believe that anything other than you is lesser. Mm-hmm. White, black, purple. If if we don't change the way that thought process is, like. The other day, uh, excuse me, I forgot his name, but the brother got killed in the Wendy's parking lot in Atlanta. Yeah, right. I forgot okay. yeah. He's standing up having Rayshard a conversation. Rayshard Brooks? Yeah. yeah. Yes. He's having a conversation. Yeah, he's tipsy. He doesn't know his rights. He doesn't have to take the breathalyzer test. Next you know, he's wrestling. And then as I'm watching it, they go, well, look, this is when he turns around and points the stun gun. Well, he pointed a stun gun. And then the cop shot him with a real, real gun. Good, right. Mm-hmm. So why if if did he feel back. threatened? In the back. Did he feel threatened by a stun gun? Then he should have. Well, he stole my stun gun. So the only other gun I had to shoot him with was that. So it it's it gets to a point where you gotta stop giving excuses. It it cannot, we cannot have any more excuses. Mm. We can't have George Floyd, and since George Floyd, seven other people get murdered. Yeah. We, murdered. I know. Murdered. There was we the, can't the kid have in, it. The kid in Palmdale who they found hung and two. they were calling yeah. it a suicide. They say it's it's suicide. Two. two. Yeah. Like, come I on. I can't man. keep up. I, well, we have to. It's crazy that. <laughs> That's the problem. With the world, you know, paying attention to this so closely and a spotlight on police behavior that these kinds of things would happen. You got protests for police brutality where police are being brutal against the people that are protesting. It's like, Nobody sees this shit. Mm. Like, and, and people well, are like, well, confused. they were out there. It gets confused because you have looting and like people like that has nothing. But I'm saying, I know, though, but that's but they where do before the they attention gets dispersed. Yeah, oh, yeah, but they're doing it to people that aren't looting. It's like, are right, you? We all have the right to peacefully protest, whether it's a knee in a football game, whether it's out on the street, whatever it is, we all have that right. And looting in every single riot. There's looting and right. every that's why it has a name. Yeah. And half the people that are looting have shit to do with the actual cause. They're opportunists. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. like let's, let's be honest. Riot. Yeah. Loot there's a difference between looting and rioting. Rioting is breaking some shit and tearing some shit up. Looting is walking out with Louis Vuitton mm-hmm. that has nothing to do with George Floyd. Like you got people walking out with eight Nike boxes. Right. That ain't got nothing to you do with George Floyd. It depends like- if they were throwbacks though. <laughs> <laughs> People I'm just walking joking. Out of Nord- Nordstrom at the Grove. Yeah, you know what I'm like, saying? Stop. Like that's yeah. not that's that has nothing to do with the person. And, and that's where 
I gotta say the white chick, but I had. Did you ever see the one when the when the newscaster is saying, yes. "Well, maybe she maybe works she's an there. employee." She's, oh, really? Because she was a white lady. Yeah. Walking this is out the funniest the thing about the white chick. She was walking slow. <laughs> you always see everybody else running, <laughs> trying not to get caught. She was like, "This shit fits." Yep. Uh, this yeah, this one. Yeah. I love that kind. She of She was movie. like, "Yeah." She literally bringing up to herself. <laughs> well, like, there were. I did see video of people walking down the street with bags, mm -hmm. and then lines of cops across the street doing nothing because they were focused on you know whatever else and just letting that go. Like, yeah, man. There's yeah, they could. They can't do yeah. anything about it. Insurance. There's another video where it's like three cops talking to a white lady while she's spray painting the building and they're, they're oh ooh. you literally hear her say ooh, ooh you should put George Floyd's name up there like the cop tells her that like uh. they're not doing nothing it's a white lady they're not doing nothing to her like they don't say anything wrong like it's mm. those they, are allies those police officers yeah <laughs> those are allies we need them <laughs> and, and, and that's well, the thing like people are opportunists mm. there's another video of a lady like literally walking up this guy's like trying to uh, board up his store and he's got the drill Mm -hmm. And somebody caught the lady doing it. She runs up to the guy to ask if she take a picture with him. He hands her the drill. She's got the drill. Her husband takes a picture of her. They get back in the car and leave. Yeah, it was a Benz too. I yeah. saw that. Yeah, one. it was a Benz. I'm like, wait, <laughs> that what? was the most egregious one because it was so blatant. Like she literally gets out of the Benz, walks up, has I mean. to borrow the guy's drill, yeah. poses with it like she's helping. Yeah, gets the picture taken. That's what I says, mean. Thank you. Like, who do we trust? Who do we trust? Like, who do we trust? Like, what's what's the direction? What is real? Yeah, what is real? We, I don't you know, know. We have these incredibly powerful images and videos that are going viral. We're all consuming them. We're trying to make sense of what's happening, and that kind of um, butts up against this insane news cycle where we're not sure what's real and what isn't. It's all very disorienting just to find solid ground. Like, yeah. where are we standing? And, and you know, to, talk, to, to you know, continue on that idea of, of being an ally, allyship, like how, how can like someone like myself be an effective ally? Um, first thing I would ask for you, Rich, is to check yourself. You have to check, you have to check for your own, because we all have, prejudices, right? Because mm -hmm. we're American. We watch Archie Bunker. We watch Jefferson's. We watch Good Times. We watch Sanford and Son. We watch Friends that had no black people until the second to last season. We watched uh, <laughs> <laughs> Curb Review. Like, we watch these shows that yeah. kind of um, um, structure our pop culture. So the first thing, you got to check yourself for your own um, your own inefficiencies or your own, like check who you are. Yeah. And once you check who you are and you check and you check your ego and you check where you believe you are, that's up. That's it. We watch each person to be as strong as that person can possibly be. And if that person really wants to be an ally, they got to make sure that they are okay with what they see too. Mm -hmm. Give an example. I had a friend uh, in Miami, and he was cool. He was always with us. And then this girl he liked started dating my brother, and he said, she's ruined. I go, what do you mean? Like, he, he doesn't have a big penis. Like, don't, don't believe the hype. She was like, no. <laughs> he said, you know, I was like, he's like, no, she's ruined. Like, no other, like, cool white guy, no other white guy is going to want her after this. And I was mm. like, whoa. 
So I had to check him. I said, what do you mean by that? He didn't get it. He still to this day probably doesn't. Well, maybe now he does, but he didn't understand what he meant or what he was feeling. So that's mm -hmm. why I say, check yourself. I, I checked myself a thousand times before getting here on what not to say and what to say and how to be um, as direct without anger and with a thought as possible. Because mm -hmm. I do have, a, I grew up in an Italian Jewish neighborhood. My first friends were probably white and black besides my brothers. And Ronnie Rosenbaum is still my one of my best friends and we check each other constantly constantly and you know we'll, we won't even make well back in the day we would make jokes you know because it was yeah. but now we figure out maybe those jokes that we make aren't so good for the psyche either so i constantly check myself and that's the first thing i think yeah and, and it, i think it also has to be a point where as far as holding yourself accountable, that's huge. And you have to look back and say, damn, I was a part of that too. Like, and being okay with that, not beating yourself up. As an ally, you have to understand like, oh, damn, when they did crack that joke. And every every white person I know, I don't care how much they try to deny it, has heard a family member, a coworker, a friend, whatever it is, when they would know anything anybody else was looking, they slipped in the N-word and some joke or... Or they were being dead serious, telling the parent. Like, I posted uh, a couple weeks ago about this uh, white girl that was talking to her parents. Mm -hmm. And the parents were like, well, no, black people want to be in the ghetto. They don't want to succeed. You know, that's 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 their problem. And the white girl's like, no, that's not the problem. She's like, yeah, but they're like animals and this and that. Like, th like this is still going on today. Whoa. You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So for people to see that. You have to understand that everybody has to speak up. This little seven, I think she's 17 or something like that. If this 17-year-old girl can speak up, everybody has to speak up. And you have to nip it in the bud. You literally have to, when you hear something racist, you see something racist, speak up about it. I think people are, we talked about it earlier, are too uncomfortable. Oh, we were talking with Greg outside. Yeah. They're too uncomfortable with being shunned. Like, no, you're not going to be liked by everybody. But at least be... If somebody gonna hate you, let them hate you for doing the right thing. Mm. You know, there's a lot of people yeah. like I I know that's wrong over there, but I'm not gonna say anything because my family and friends might not talk to me. All right, if those people don't want to talk to you for doing the right thing, fuck them. Like literally, like that that's showing you their character. You know, yeah, what I'm saying? I think yeah, 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 I get that. I mean, I think that's an example of egregious overt racism. Mm -hmm. I think the real the harder hill to climb and the more pernicious problem is kind word. of what you were speaking to john like the idea word. that that uh that there are a lot of people most people who who will tell you i'm not racist you know right. and i don't have a racist bone in my body and i don't see color and the blind spot for them and for myself is is that is the systemic aspect of all of this. Like when you have watched all those television programs yeah. growing up, like I grew up in a white neighborhood. I mean, there, there's, you know, I went to school some with some black people, but it's like, I'm I'm not, I didn't, I wasn't reared in black culture, right? And and so- You were. I wa well, I was cultural, pop culture, yeah, yeah for sure. sure. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. And sports and all of that. Um, but this has brought up for me, the work that I need to do to like, 
unravel that knot and and to kind of identify those those blind spots yeah. that I have within myself because you know I I would I would look you straight in the eye and say I've never done anything racist I don't harbor mm-hmm. racist thoughts and all of that but because of the way I was raised and the people I've surrounded myself my whole life it's impossible that there isn't some kind exactly. of deeply embedded imprint that I need to like look mm-hmm. at and mm-hmm. unravel you said you said uh <clears throat> I said this before, a guy said, I don't have a racist bone in my body. I said, no, but you got a racist heart. (laughs) 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 And uh, uh, not you, Rich, not you. What I mean, to give you an example, I grew up in a white neighborhood. You said that. Mm. So you knew. Mm -hmm. Right. You knew. Yeah. Well, that's what I mean. You grew in a neighborhood that was white. Right. That means yeah. you grew up in a neighborhood that separated you from black people. Right. That's racist. So from the beginning of your being, they separated you from us because of their thought and fear of us. So when you only know this, when you see this, you only when you see it, you go, Mommy, what's that? They give you a cliff note. Oh, that's them over there. Right. So that starts it. Mm-hmm. That starts racism when they separated you and when they didn't include in the beginning. So that's where it starts. The other part is visualization as a young, young. We, I said this. I said what needs to be done, nobody wants to do. Right? Everybody wants to be a martyr, <laughs> but they forget you got to die for You got to die for that shit. <laughs> so... No one wants to do what needs to be done. And when I say it, I lose so-called followers. I put myself in a position. But this is it. I'm going to say it on your show because I love you. The only way to erase racism is to take the picture of white Jesus out of every church in the world. Mm. If you don't erase the thought of God being white, it's going to constantly stay this way. Mm -hmm. Every... I was going to post every statue they're taking down with Confederate. They need to go in a black church and take the white Jesus off the wall. And they won't do it Mm. because the white Jesus was established across to do exactly what it's doing. But this is what got us to this point. In Brazil, I was in Bahia, Brazil. There's 365 churches in the city of Bahia. This is the first place that they, the first place they did slaves. They bring slaves into Bahia. They they still they they will show you the dances the capoato uh, they will show you the 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 uh, the cells where they bring you up from it's it's a, it's a whole tour. Three hundred sixty five churches. So every day you can go to a different church and worship Jesus Christ, and every picture in there is white. Mm. There's gold flaking on the wall. People living in the streets. There's it's always been this way. So in order to stop racism. You have to stop preaching it when it comes to faith and religion. If that's not done, we're going to stay here. Yeah. It's going to be a little bit of resistance to that. Yeah. Oh, it's going to be. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. Did you, uh, in Detroit, yeah. we, in Detroit during 1968, when they went in, they painted Madonna black. Uh-huh. So it's called the Shrine of the Black Madonna. Well, there's just, went back there's just no way Jesus was white. I mean, it's, it's absurd. <laughs> 
<laughs> you can't. You, <laughs> you can't tell me that because I I saw him uh, <laughs> in a in picture, the, right? In a picture, you know. My whole life, he looked like uh, he had he had pretty brown hair, and he looked like Robin Thicke before he's he was the best off. looking German dude I've ever seen. <laughs> man, a German guy without getting his head, like we, it's just not gonna. And you know, black people will defend that. Like, there's some black churches where yeah. ask this, hey, let's take the picture of the white Jesus down. They said no. They said, no, it doesn't mean anything. They said it means everything. It means everything because it means that if the son of God is white, God is white. If the son of John Sally came out white, we would blood test. (laughs) Right? So if the son of God is white, God is white. That is establishing that that's the supreme. Right. So where do you get white supremacy? That's the beginning of white supremacy. Super interesting. Yeah. So, did you see uh, Cornell West talking to Anderson Cooper on CNN the other day? Yeah, I love Cornell. Yeah. I mean, what a what a, what an incredible uh, monologuer he is. Yeah. I mean, that was like so powerful. And one of the things he said was, um, "The you know the blowback is coming." Like make no mistake, like there, there. This is not going to go quietly into the night no. and just you know I hope manifest not. you know beautiful change without a lot of resistance to this. Yeah. Yeah. So you know, how do you think about that? Like, where do you see that coming from, and how do we, you know, prepare for that? I think I think it's spot on. Like, there's it's so interesting that people want they want people to be peaceful and protest. They don't mind the cops being aggressive and getting the protesters out of there. But when somebody's murdered, like Dave Chappelle, if he just put out a yeah, did you watch special, 846? Man, that, that was, I, not, not to get too far off somebody, but I don't think anybody can bring a story together mm-hmm. like he can, like with so many different aspects that just tie in together. But it's just like people have to be willing to understand how long we have been quiet. It's like, you see all the memes, like, well, we tried to protest peacefully by taking a knee. Nothing happens. We tried to protest peacefully on the street. Nothing happens. We tried to protest peacefully online. Nothing happens. We burn some shit. Everybody shows up. Mm. Well, damn. All right, well, now you're showing up. All right, okay. Well, now you're here. Now let's talk. You know, and I'm I'm with I'm with John on this too. Like, I, man, I know people work hard for their business, so I definitely don't want to see that happen. But I also know that sometimes in order to get the point across, shit's got to go down. Shit's got to go down. I hate I hate it that it does. I hate it. I hate that. And I wish we could find, if we could find another way to get them attention. But then we also got to look at the setup that comes along with this too. Like nobody ever talks about this. They talk about the random bricks that just show up all the time right. for people to throw. But has anybody ever tripped off? Why is there always a random fucking cop car? For like the extra scene on Street Fighter, remember you just beat up the cop car and you get all these extra points. Like it's just always an empty cop car for everybody to burn up mm. and spray paint and beat the hell out of. When on a like normal a, like day, a, like a prop for a photo op, like, like a prop, so like, that we can say that this is out of control. Exactly. When on a normal day, have you ever just seen a random cop car on the street with the windows down? With the windows down, no <laughs> cop around. No cop. Hey, you, uh, I tell you this. No one likes the truth. Yeah, That's yeah, why yeah. it's a hard thing when you got to yeah. go in yourself and check yourself. And hey, you know how, how many times I had to check myself if I wasn't being a house Negro or a field Negro? Yeah. I had to check myself I wasn't being house. Mm-hmm. I use the word Negro because it 
hits a little different. But <laughs> and I, do you think that's why the uh, the 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 NFL players acted the way they did with the Kaepernick thing? I they were scared they, of the job. They, yeah. they would. They yeah. were. They and you had over owners telling you, if you do it, you out. Mm. We're finding you this. And what do you think about what Goodell just said? Well, I, I I'm uh, I got a text from Joe, uh, Drew Brees. I I text Drew Brees as soon as it happened. Did you try? I said, let me help you through this. Let me explain it to you. And then he sent back a wonderful text saying, sorry, I didn't get back to you. Obviously, I've been inundated. But, yo, I apologize. I had to recheck what I was saying, what I meant. Mm -hmm. I said it the wrong time. But I now know where I was wrong. I was like, perfect. Uh, I love what Goodell, I love Goodell. I love what Goodell said. And I think he should say, we should do this now. And we should pay more attention. I think he's stepping up and saying that. Great. I'm glad he did. Um, talking about giving people their jobs back and all that. All he can do is apologize for mistakes. But right now, Kyrie Irving is telling guys when they're trying to get the NBA season to start back in Orlando, he's saying, I don't no. think we should be playing basketball right now. Yeah. And then if the ball play, if the black ball players don't back Kyrie Irving, I'm telling it's you. Gonna, he's going to get mar pushed out, marginalized. No. The ones who don't follow Kyrie Irving are the ones who are going to get pushed out. They're going to get pushed out from our community because I'm going to make sure of it. Mm. Those who don't join the fight, if you ain't with us, you're against us. George W. Bush. <laughs> well, the Drew Brees thing, <laughs> back to the Drew Brees thing. I mean, that that whole situation kind of perfectly encapsulates so much, right? Mm -hmm. Here's a guy who just said absolutely the worst possible thing he could ever say in that moment. And it, it was just looking at that thing, I was just thinking, how could he, like what was going through his mind that he thought that was the right thing to do? Grew up in a white neighborhood. I will give him- My point yeah, to Yeah, and then he got, I mean, the whole world put him on blast. The internet yeah. just went insane. Yeah. Um, I will give him credit that he did a pretty good job with his apology. Like he really, he didn't just walk it back and do kind right. of like that, you know, the textbook, yeah. apology. Like yeah. he, you could tell he put a lot of thought into it. And I do think it's important in this moment where there's a breakdown in civil discourse and we're finding it more and more difficult to actually just have hard conversations where you, John Sally, can say, you could speak your mind, you could speak your truth. That's why I love- We need, we need to have we need to have this. Like no, regardless of your opinion or whether we disagree or, or not, like that is the path forward here. Mm -hmm. And right now, our culture is so fraught and everybody's so terrified of saying the wrong thing that a lot of people are sitting on the sidelines and, and remaining quiet in a moment where I think we need to be conversing in mm -hmm. public out loud. And when you see Drew Brees and what he did, we need to understand that when someone makes a mistake like that, that we have to provide them the opportunity to redeem themselves. We right. can't just cancel them forever. Like if we wanna grow and learn from this moment right now, we have yeah. to be able to celebrate the wins and figure out how to fan the flames of positive change without just the you know shoving aside of the people who don't cancel fall culture. into line with whatever yeah. talking points are right. deemed socially acceptable in the moment. Yeah. yeah. And I, I think, and I think that really... speaks to all aspects of this problem from mm -hmm. all different and I think. And I believe in cancel culture is used too much, but I do believe sometimes it is needed. Like, like I would say this, if Breeze's speech was, one speech, but his interview, if, if what he would have said was straight hateful and you knew it was a hateful tone, 
then that was different. You know what I'm saying? Then just then uh, mm. just apologizing that shit just doesn't work. You know, I think we got to stop doing that too as black people. Like, well, he apologized even though he said I hate fucking black people, and he apologized. Right, that is later. different. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, yeah. but we we got situations like that where people literally been hateful. And but then they start looking at their money, their dollar, and they're like, "Oh, I need to go apologize." They don't apologize because that's the right thing to do. Because you uh-huh. probably wouldn't have said the first thing in the first place. Yeah. Let me give you a little history. George Wallace was the governor of Alabama when that walk across Selma Bridge happened, and he wanted he wanted exactly what happened when they crossed the bridge, people getting beat, yeah. mm-hmm. everything to when the president had to send the National Guard in to tell him not to kill these black folks. He then had a stroke when he got older and his nurse was black. And literally saving his life every day. And he apologized and all these black people put their hands on him. I got it in the Jet Magazine. And my mom's made sure. So you see, some people you can you can you can go back and realize it's gonna come back the one day, the people that you heard are gonna come back and the ones you're gonna you're gonna need. And I thought about it. I like all of these guys. I love what Drew said. Yeah. I like that they came back, and I like that when people, like you said, get a chance to redeem themselves. But he would not have said that if he didn't grow up thinking mm. the other way. That's why you having us on this show, me in particular, only being my second time, but don't worry about it. Um, it's only my second time. Yeah, it's some bullshit. <laughs> Come bullshit. back anytime. Last, we were joking before the podcast, so the first time you came in, you just you got up in the middle and said you had to go pick up your daughter. <laughs> I did? Yeah, you remember that? Oh, yeah, man. So she was uh, (laughs) right down the street from your crib, too. Anyway, I was having a rough daughter time. Uh, Ooh, you in trouble. Yeah, I know. My daughter flipped out from 14 to 16. Like, tripped. I was looking around. I was like, whose house did you go in? I'm in a little bit of that right now. Yeah, man. I was (laughs) like, hormones and penises will do some crazy (laughs) things. Mine's only four. So I'm just, I'm enjoying the ride right now. Yeah, don't wait till she starts smelling guys from a distance. (laughs) He smells cute. Jesus Christ, what was going on? I wanted to write a book just on raising daughters. I would have got killed. But man, it would have been tough. All right, but I stepped on your point. Yeah, man. It's just... You, we do. We can't do the cancel culture, and people do make mistakes. And black people always, always forgive. forgive. Just remember that. Don't, don't ever think that they hate me. They're never going to get black people. And the reason I tell you the George Wallace thing is because he was the most hateful guy. He was so mad that the University of Alabama put the. Mm. It was so funny in Forrest Gump. When they talked about putting the football players and Bear Bryant was like, I don't care what you're saying, you know, I'm putting them on the field. He was so hateful. But when it came down to when his life depended on it, it was only black people around him. There was no white folks around him. Mm -hmm. And he apologized and he apologized, apologized. And and I want you all to realize that when you make those apologies and they're heartfelt, black people will Put their arm around you, and it can't be a one-time apology. Yeah, it, like you it might will. have to apologize yeah. for the rest of your fucking life, but be okay. Well, with that's it. in like, his mama house. The mama no, house. But but Remember I'm, that time? Yeah, but <laughs> but I'm saying though, because because the thing is, you might have put out a press release, you might have put out something saying you apologize now, 
but that don't mean everybody else heard it right then. So you know what I'm saying? Like, but we'll we'll circulate as all the negativity. So if if it comes down like Drew Brees talking about, you know, disrespecting the flag, all right, you put out the press release, you know, basically saying, I'm sorry that I shouldn't have done that. But that doesn't mean just because you got over it that the other person got over it that you were talking about. Mm-hmm. So you might have it's just like, I mean, if you in a, a relationship. Start, it's, it's a starting point. Yeah, if you're That's in a relationship and you mess up. You might have to apologize for the rest of that relationship. And if you plan on having a relationship with black people, you might have to apologize over and over and over. Or make the living amends. It's about the exactly. behavior. It's about and, your and behavior. How is he going yeah. to change his behavior? Because the proof is, forward. I mean, and I hate people say this, it's not in the pudding for everybody out there. It's not proof is in the pudding. It's proof is in the put in. But People oh, in America mess that up. That sounds the whole like quote. some crazy badass vegan quote. Yeah, that yeah, is some yeah, badass. Yeah. I've been stealing it. <laughs> yeah, I've been writing t-shirts down every time I'm around this. But the proof is in the pudding. Uh, it's actually what you put hey, in. Hey, I gotta go get my daughter. <laughs> <laughs> and, that's, and that's what and as I, soon and as that, you're talking too much. Exactly. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. If it's not on me, I'm done. Well, no, I, mean, I gotta like, get my like, daughter. I, I tell you all the time, like that, that's like my mentor, my older brother for real, anyway. So like a lot of times I've been around him. His almost most of your life. I didn't life. know that. I mean, right? I knew you guys knew Long each other. Time, I didn't know. I didn't How know. old were you when I when I first was your camp counselor? <laughs> Don't listen to this shit. <laughs> How old were you? How old were you? <laughs> it sounds sounds like a messed up story coming. But out. no. How old were you? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say, I didn't say in the boys' home. Uh-huh. <laughs> I didn't say in the boys' home, oh. the juvenile home you were in. I didn't make nah, it. Nah, we we've known each other about ten years. Mm. About ten years, I would say. Um, it's funny though. I wore his jersey number when I was a kid, though. Oh, really? I was a fan. Yeah. I mean, I didn't know he was fucking crazy back then, but <laughs> I, I, I was a fan. <laughs> there are certain rare people who have a powerful voice and know how to use it. My friend Amanda Decadene is one such human. The podcast is called The Conversation because it is the conversation, a groundbreaking series of raw and honest exchanges on the issues that matter most, mental health, sex, politics, ambition, gender roles, and more. Listen to The Conversation wherever you get your podcasts and explore other groundbreaking series at voicingchange.media. I'm super proud to announce my next venture, Voicing Change Media. This beautiful consortium of thinkers, storytellers, artists, and visionaries all committed to fostering meaningful exchanges and sharing thought-provoking content. Voicing Change Media will feature shows like The Proof with Simon Hill, Soul Boom with Rain Wilson, Mentor Buffet with Alexi Pappas, Feel Better Live More with Dr. Rangan Chatterjee, and The Conversation with Amanda Decadene. You can explore this network and all its offerings at voicingchange.media. You know, I used to have my own sneaker, right? And um, I, I was like one of the first guys. I didn't know that, but like, of course you did. I, my brother yeah. my brother was on it, and so it was called Osaga, and we sold it at uh-huh. Kenny Shoe Stores because we thought, yeah, we, we only sell them for $40 so people can afford that, right? Yeah. Same Marbury mentality. They don't cost that much to make. Yeah. And uh, and I somebody says, yo, man, I pay our sagas. And I swear, 
I don't know if it's because I started smoking weed 20 years ago. I was like, what the hell is an Osaga? <laughs> so when people would say like, I was a fan, I go, they were sure what? I got so I many businesses, I don't even remember that one. I was like, oh, I used to play basketball. That's right. Um, <laughs> I couldn't imagine jumping and hitting somebody and my knees right now just tweaked even thinking about really? it. All that self-care? Rich. Rich, you I was playing this guy like this. CBD? I was playing this cool kid, uh-huh. and this kid did a move, and he went around me. He went around me so fast, and my legs didn't move, which used to be just, uh-huh. you know, it's instinct. like instinct. He went around me so fast this way. I had to look this way. <laughs> this way. <laughs> I said, I looked at my legs. Uh-huh. I said, that's, that's, that's what we're doing? Is it? Is it? Man. And my wife was like, what happened? My legs don't work anymore. She goes, do your How legs long hurt? That? I was like, huh? How long ago? Uh, it was 10 years ago mm. now. I, I'm 56 now. I'm 46. Mm. I knew. That's why I couldn't understand Kareem played. He was 42. Robert Paris. Kobe yeah. playing to its four. I could not imagine playing 20 years in the league. To me right now, when I see people, like when I, you still run? Yeah. <sighs> I wish I could still I got run. some back stuff that I'm working on. Yeah. I got some. What kind of products you got for me? Oh, man, I got some unbelievable. I wouldn't mention <laughs> I wouldn't mention one company, but they didn't do the deal yet. Quanta. Um, uh, <laughs> Put a little pressure yeah, on. Yeah, a little huh? pressure. Yeah. Um, but definitely, I, I wish my legs still worked the same. There, yeah. There's another company, too, that same thing. I was working on something with them. Didn't go through. But the shit works, though. Like, I, they actually got me thinking about playing ball again. Like, mm. my knee. Canavera? I had surgery on both knees. No, um, I don't even know if I want to say them. Oh. They cool right. people, though. Yeah, but I put something on, <laughs> right. and I was like, hey, I can, let's go for a run. My yeah. wife was like, well, I don't want to hear you for five days. She goes, the Peloton's over there. Mm. I was like, oh, man, you know. Yeah. You ride no, the Peloton? Just, yeah. I said, nah. And they, and they walked, they came in the house and said, uh, guess what? This works for your height, and this we have another seven footer, so no excuses. And here's some 15s. Uh-huh. I was like, damn, mm. I gotta do this thing. Yeah, yeah. but it's, it's, I, I tried swimming again. Yeah, that was great. That was great. But and see, and you Ron, just destroyed the swim myth about a black person yeah. being able to swim. I, uh, my mother yeah. made me learn how to swim and ice skate and read. <laughs> To swim, ice skate, I like to see your skate. stroke in the pool. Oh, yeah. You know uh, who's a really good swimmer? Shaquille. Shaquille is swims. He? Yeah, like that was no his. Way. Yeah, man. And then he can get that. out of the thing and act like a wow. like a whale and <laughs> fly back in the water. Uh-huh. He's like a great swimmer. And I was like, oh, I got this man. pool. I'm going to go swimming again. Oh, that shit is hard. Yeah, it's hard. Yeah, good, swimming. Oh, uh, Al- Alpen Organics is the uh, name. Alpen. But they, they got a CBD cream that like... Like, put it this way. I was at like an 8 or 10 with my knees. Pain. And I'm easily at a 0 to 2 now. Wow. And anybody that's been through an 8 to 10 pain will take 0 to 2 in a heartbeat. Now, mind you, it's got me wanting to go play ball again, but probably the first time I step on the court, my knees Mm. are going to be like, no, this is not what this is for. I can't even shoot a hook shot. I I tried it. I went on my court the other day, (laughs) and I said, I'm just, you know what? I'm just going to do some, I'm not going to, I'm not going to jump that much. You have a court at your house? Yeah. I'm Mm. not going to jump that much. I'm just going to do this. Man, I took about six shots. I was like, I need to hit the bowl. Where's my puppy? (laughs) (laughs) It's like, this Um, is crazy. All right, let's shift gears here. I want to talk about the doc. Can we talk about the doc? Yeah, for sure. For for justice. Yeah. Um, You want to give him a new name? 
Yeah, you're gonna. Uh, yeah, we're building up to it. <laughs> we'll up to I want to hear yeah, what it yeah, is. Yeah, but yeah. Um, you partnered up with uh, with our boy Keegan, who's mm-hmm. um, the guy behind What the Health and Cowspiracy. Um, tell us a little bit about this movie. I mean, you guys are still in production. This yeah, is- yeah, yeah. Well, we were scheduled to be done shooting in June, but with the pandemic and everything, mm-hmm. um, we had to put it back. So we're focused on releasing it by the end of the year. Uh, the film is about social justice and food justice through the lens of hip hop. Um, our current, uh, you know, if anybody's seen What the Health, this is like the official follow up to What the Health. Um, and we've, John's in the movie, uh, Neo, Maya, Styles P, Stick from Dead Prez, Walker Rory, Waka Flocka. Waka, we talked, but he didn't. He didn't want to do it. Mm. We did talk about it. But, uh, you know, and that's cool. Like, I, I know it's not for everybody. Like, some, because we go very in-depth in this, and we're calling out major brands, major government, all kinds of stuff. Wow. And sometimes it's just everybody don't want to talk about it. So I get it. I don't hold it personal when nobody doesn't want to be in the documentary or anything like that. Um, but but it's, it's, it's like the idea is it's addressing food injustice and, mm-hmm. like, nutritional poverty in the in mm-hmm. the And showing also, community. like how certain foods literally are detrimental to the health of people of color. I mean, just li- like science has pro- shown it, uh, all these lab tests, everything, and then the government still allows it to be sold. And one, one, of, the, one of the greatest stories I saw was that we were looking at an advertisement from either s- one of the major uh, baby formula companies, and, in the, and they showed them handing it to me in the movie. And he's handing it to me and I'm reading it and it literally says, mother's breast milk is not sufficient for the growth of, of babies. So you're telling people, which is targeted to people of color, that they're- The, the thing that, 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 uh, that has been cre- creating humans since humans were a thing. That's not good enough. <laughs> yeah. That's why you need this baby formula uh-huh. that's full of fucking cow's milk that's detrimental to people of color already. So 70% of all uh, allergies are related to the ingestion of uh, animal milk. Uh, lactose. Lactose intolerance. So if you start them off with that, you're not even giving them breast milk. Like people don't even know how much DNA is transferred to a baby from their mother's breast milk. Not even from your mother's breast milk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just another human. Yeah, another yeah. humans. Yeah, wow. and and when you and when you dial it back to the actual mother, the mother actually the breast milk actually will change its formula formula to fit what the baby needs. And that's how crazy science is. They're like, no, 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 <laughs> don't do that. We got to figure it out. We got this product here for you. Yeah. We need to lessen. We need to lessen the male African exactly. Re- then, reproduction. Mm, yeah. That's you. You can say it. Yeah, Tell no, them no. what you want to say. Nope. We're on the show. The deal is they put <laughs> foods in. The reason I got involved is the first. The first title was "They Killing Us," literally spelled in Ebonics. Yeah, they killing us. Yeah. Not they are. Not uh-huh. there. Not maybe they are. Without saying that, they killing us. Yeah. That's why I was like, keep that title mm. because yeah. it literally means something more than just it's ebonic. It's the it's way really, I just said it is black yeah. American. Period. Yeah, but they changed it. 
<laughs> Hungry for Justice. Hungry for Justice. But now the official title of the film is They're Trying to Kill Us. Uh-huh. That's the official title. But not of the they. Film. Not they are. No, it's yeah, they're. They're mm. trying to kill us. They are trying to kill us. Which and that's what they're showing. That's what we're showing. Like this whole system is set up to where you're you're eating this certain food. And it's going to lead to these multiple different either ailments, diseases, whatever. And then when that happens, now you have to go get this pill. If the pill doesn't work long enough because none of the pills say that they cure anything. They say help you deal with this, with the uh, symptoms. With the symptoms of. So it's duct tape. Like if mm-hmm. you notice, there's nothing out there. Any of these commercials, they'll give you 85 side effects. May cause anal leakage and all this other shit, but your headache's gone. Uh-huh. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, so they start talking about all these different things, and if that doesn't work, guess what? Now you need the surgery. Now the surgery's thirty thousand dollars, and after the surgery, guess what you gotta do? You gotta take some more pills to deal with the lack of whatever we cut out of you, right? Because you can't produce it anymore yourself. Or what they don't talk about is right over here, we got this food that you could just eat that's like grown from mm. the ground. And we'll prevent. All talk, this. talk a little bit about how this impacts um, Black and African American communities disproportionately from other communities. Because well, could you make that argument that that would be the case, whoever the customer is? Yeah, you could say that that is the case. But what we've noticed is uh, proportionally that grocery stores are not spread around the country evenly. Mm-hmm. So you look at lower income communities, they'll have a bodega maybe, they'll maybe have a a gas station. And what we've noticed is that people call it food deserts. It's not really food deserts, it's nutrition deserts. It's food there, but where's the nutrition in it? Mm. You know, you got a pack of peanuts that's got 18 ingredients in it when all it needs is just peanuts. You know, it's what you get to see is that these people in these certain demographics are predominantly people of color. So yeah, you might have, and you get people with the, you know, the out, outlying factor, like, yeah, there are some white people that live in this community, mm-hmm. but predominantly it's people of color. So that's what they're showing. And that's what we're showing is that you're starting off already in a negative playing field. Right. You know, they're already, let's say you're coming to the top of the mountain. We gave them a, a five-hour head start, and we gave them shoes. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Now, you get up that mountain, too, you catch them. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's so many things across the board without giving the whole movie away. But, um, you know, like, for instance, we're in, we're in L.A. right now. If people want to really see the, the difference, I want them to go to Beverly Hills and tell me the address of the McDonald's in Beverly Hills. And if somebody actually gives you the address of McDonald's in Beverly Hills, they're fucking lying because there's not one. There's not one McDonald's in Beverly Hills. You won't find. I didn't it even in know that. Hills. I didn't even know that. And the four Beverly Hills is four point four miles wide, supposedly like mm. that. You won't find a McDonald's. You won't find a Popeyes. You won't find. And one car and one one um <clears throat> one gasoline store, and it's the highest gasoline in the world in the country. Uh huh. Oh, that fancy one with the fancy roof. W- yeah. And yeah, they, I know what you mean. People still yeah. come up and. Yeah. Work on your car. Uh-huh. So that's where you get to see where they know what they're doing. They're putting things in certain areas to feed the the white America and the people of color. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. just because you like, like, let me try to say, like, hey, that doesn't mean you're racist. 
that you've been a part of this this matrix for so long. It's like no, but once you realize it, <laughs> that's what are you that speaks do about to it? the systemic aspect of exactly. all of this. Exactly, that, that like aspect. sort of reinforces this this um, you know the disproportionate outcomes. I mean, when you look at Black Americans and the incidence of diabetes and obesity, and I mean, it's, it, and you compare, you line that up against white populations, mm -hmm. and it's pretty shocking. And it's what we've been taught. We've been conditioned to believe that we have to eat these certain foods. We've been conditioned to believe that we will have these certain ailments and these certain diseases, but nobody's coming to tell us, you know, that's actually preventable over there. You mm -hmm. don't have to get mm -hmm. this shit. You know what I'm saying? But we think we got to have a certain way to eat. We got to, and most of that stuff, if you trace it back, start off with slavery as well. So you were given this food. And one thing about black people, we will turn anything you give us into gold. If you give us a fucked up situation, we're going to make the best of it. The problem is, is that we're still holding on to that fucked up situation every time we eat these certain foods and it's still keeping us in the system. The one thing is there's a loophole. There's a loophole. Like the good food that's available out there is available for everybody, but they make you see a dollar hamburger and you think that that's a better value. Mm -hmm. But in reality, you can get more fruits and vegetables for the week mm. under a certain budget than you would if you were to go buy a steak and all these processed stuff. But you're <clears throat> part of the deal is it's fast food. Mm -hmm. And in our community, usually parents work more than one job. Yeah. And uh, there's been a lot of times where it's been single parent home, either single mom or single dad, <laughs> um, uh, mostly mom. So mom doesn't have the time or the wherewithal to go get those vegetables, make it into a meal, unless they're Ethiopian. If they're Ethiopian, they know what to do with the lentils mm -hmm. and the corn. And you, you're trained that way. Mm -hmm. But in America, we're trained, here, take some money, go get your, you and your sister something to eat and come back. Well, go $5, go. And whatever you can get for $5 is going to be your food for the night. And the food that you're getting is not food, so it doesn't digest, but it swells your stomach. Mm -hmm. And so if you're getting no nutrients and you're getting no strength, then you have no ability to fight. If you got no ability to fight, you would have no ability to reproduce. If you have no ability to reproduce, they lessen uh, your sperm count. They add tons of um, obesity has gone, so your self-esteem has dropped. And there's crime on the street, so you can't leave your house. <laughs> So this is constantly put into a situation to make us fight amongst ourselves while being sick. Mm. And that's that's where it comes into is why, like you said, I did it and why we had to put better restaurants. But I'm going to get an argument from somebody no matter what. <laughs> right. When they were like, Sal, I mean, I was talking to Shaq and he was like, so I shouldn't eat fried chicken, mm. right? And I was like, nah, you know the the and you eating the skin too, and and there's an oil and it's going to get into you. So okay, I saw you telling you telling black people not to eat chicken. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly what I'm saying. That's, that's it. But but his film is going to hit, like he said. Mm. He's going to get sued a lot. Mm. He's going to get sued a lot. I won't get sued. But I think, I think your boy sued, knows. I think your boy gonna, is smart. He'll yeah, know yeah, what to, yeah, yeah. how to Keegan get around. Keegan knows how to stir it up. Yeah, right. For yeah, sure, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah. He's, we, he's we, proven that a couple times And we've got already. a collective effort here. Like, we... I mean, it's funny. I talk to him every day. Like, every day. 
And we always are coming up with like brainstorming ideas like, oh shit, let's do this. Uh-huh. Yeah, let's do this. Oh, because you know when they see this, they're going to be pissed. Perfect. Because we right. want people to... Because he's a punk. Our goal... He's a, his punk rock thing. Exactly. Man, exactly. Up, you know? our, our goal... <laughs> and this is the thing too. For everybody out there, I don't want people to think that Keegan is running this film. I don't know why people think... Like I had somebody... If I were you, I would let them think that because when they get sued, let them sue <laughs> <his ass. laughs> yeah. But like... That's the lawyer yeah, right yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I had somebody... Uh, they disagree with one of my posts. Like I was like, you know, like all these vegan corporations that and organizations... That are that reached out to me about like, hey, we need to promote the black people, but now you're silent. I'm like, fuck y'all. Like, like I'm I'm being honest. Like, no, fuck y'all. And they're like, ooh, I hope Keegan sees this and he drops him from the film. I'm like, uh, yeah. I was like, first of all, Keegan reposted this. Yeah, shit. he's totally on board with that <laughs> yeah, idea. Yeah, he's totally on board with that. And second of all, I'm like, that plays into the whole mindset of like, well, I'll go report to the white guy. That mm. the black guys over here acting up. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, yeah. the mentality that comes with that is crazy. That's wild. Yeah, man. It's, but it's so... You are many, a troublemaker. Though. I am yeah. a troublemaker. I, I am. But but I'm only a troublemaker because people don't want to hold on to the old fake shit. Mm. You're you know a troublemaker. Yeah. Mm. Like, if, you know, like... Well, I mean, vegan Instagram's a shit show right the, the now. Truth, the truth the only hurts so much if you live in a lie. That's the truth. Yeah, that's what like, I said. If you live in a lie, the truth is going to fucking hurt. You know what I heard yesterday? What? Oh, my God. It was the greatest, uh, greatest thing. There was a guy heckling and saying something. And he said, don't worry about him. He goes, no. He goes, you know what? If you throw a brick at a bunch of, at a pack of dogs, only the one that gets hit by the brick howls. So the only the people that get upset exactly right are the ones who are going to say something about what you're doing exactly the ones that the brick hits the one that yeah. hits them then they have something they got something to howl for like I say I, I say it all the time I was like look I don't I might put the shoe out there but I don't name the name of the shoe I don't even say what size it is but it's always some motherfucker coming along saying the shoe fits mm-hmm. and if the shoe fits you wear it like that's fine with me but I don't name out anybody I name out the actions. And I'm like, if you fit these actions, mm. that's you. So we have no sponsors for the for the. <laughs> we're done with sponsors. <laughs> no, Jesus Christ! To, that's where the Kickstarter somebody comes needs in. to yeah. take yeah. over well, your we, Twitter, we do, Donald we do, Trump. We do have the. <laughs> give it, give it here. You're killing we, us. We uh, we do have a we do have a um a crowdfunding going on for the film, and it's to to make sure that people are involved in the film even more than what they are. You because, remember the name of it? Mm. What is it? The crowdfunding. Uh, it's going to be on our on our website. They're trying to kill us. dot com. They're trying to kill us. They're trying to kill us. That website up right now. Yeah, it's up. It's uh, it's up. I'll well, it'll be up by the time you put the show. The up. How yeah. we spell it? How we spell it? Uh, they, they are. They are. There. T h e y, r e. There's no apostrophe on websites. Everybody. By the time this movie comes out, I yeah. think John's going to win this argument. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> 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 I, I said it when he yeah. said it. He was putting it. I was like, oh my god. <laughs> so, but it's so funny. Um, has anybody made a nutrition-focused documentary about the Black and African no. communities, people of color communities? Well, there, in there was one called The Invisible Vegan. I don't want to. Uh-huh. I don't want to leave her out. Yeah. It was it's vegan or otherwise, just like yeah. get healthy. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no, I think I think before her, I don't think anybody else really made one to focus yeah. on people of color. And it's so That's needed because it's just I don't think anybody was in a position to make it mm-hmm. at the same time. Like I just I've been 
fortunate to be able to, in a position where, you know, Keegan, we've been friends for a long time. And he asked me, he was like, man, I want to do a, a film, man, I, with you. Because he's seen my work and other stuff I've done, social justice and always speaking up and doing speeches. And he's like, let's work together. He's like, I want to I want to reach a different demographic. I was like, well, you know, like, let's, let's go for the people of color. Like, they need us. He was like, yeah, but I don't know how. I was like, hip hop. Like, my first mm-hmm. idea was like hip hop. I was like, hip hop runs everything. Like, and I said, it's the if you ever want powerful wanna, cultural force in the universe. If you ever, if you ever want to understand how strong hip hop is, say so if you close your eyes, you can see a bunch of six foot white guys on skates with Jay Z playing in the background, and you just talked about the NHL. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. that's how powerful it is. The the biggest hip hop green. Yeah, hip hop is green. But you know, look at the biggest uh, Broadway show right now. Yeah. Hip hop infused, mm. you know what I'm oh, saying. So it's like, so what yeah. about unhealthy vegans? Though, are we uh, are we only talking about the black unhealthy vegans, or like when you say nutrition, uh, like what are, what are we what are we what point are we getting? Well, we are trying to get people to be healthy. That's the that's the thing. Like there's there's a big confusion of like veganism and healthy veganism. Like there there are some vegan products out there that taste like burger, taste like cheese, taste like that. And sure, in moderation, but what we're trying to do is get people to be vegan for health. It was about, in, it was about healing. In, in your movie, uh, you know, what is the path forward? Like, what are the solutions that you're, for, you know, providing people with? That's, that's one of the biggest things is I wanted to be solution-based with the movie. Um, that's one of the biggest things I told Keegan. So one of them is uh, we're working on... Uh, actual programs, like more learning programs afterwards. Uh, We're showing them how to eat within the movie, showing them where to get fruits and vegetables, where to get uh, nuts, legumes, and rice, whatever it kind of be, but how to put it together um, that's beneficial to them as well. Mm. Like, we also, I don't want them to feel like, all right, we gave you this problem, but we didn't show you how to take care of yourself. Um, Showing them, like, a lot of the different uh, studies and everything showing how the reversal of all these diseases can be incorporated with this plant-based eating, uh, vegan eating, whatever the case is. Um, one of the biggest things too is like we we were working on a, a actual meal plan, like actual product mm-hmm. to be very affordable. So I, you know we do see that like a lot of the vegan items are out of the price range for a lot of people. Um, I actually had some talks with. A store brand, Whole Foods, if you're listening, let's get that going. But we were working on um, having it to where people who watch the film, they could get these meal plans from Whole Foods at an affordable rate uh-huh. and also have them delivered since before the pandemic, you know, delivery was still a thing right. with Whole Foods and having it delivered to them. Because when I had a meeting with Whole Foods, I told them, I was like, you know, you can build a Whole Foods in the hood right next door to a mom with six kids and she's still not coming. Cause for her to get all six kids in the car, get them ready. Or even if it's a dad, I don't mm-hmm. want to sound the wrong way. Whoever, a parent, a single parent with kids for them to get them in the car, get them over there, get them there. But now if we provide a solution where we're literally putting it on the doorstep for them, this is already made. All you got to do is heat it up. Mm. You know what I'm saying? And I'm not, this is not like a business. Just making it as easy as possible, right? And and like expanding the perimeter, the delivery perimeter also, because those whole foods are far away. And and, um, we're talking about Amazon. They are, you know, they have the capability to reach everybody. 
they're already delivering. Like, why not have it to where they give it to mm-hmm. them there? And then I'm, I mean, while it's, I have been in talks with other stores as well. So it, if it doesn't work out with Whole Foods, it's going to work out. Right. Well, but, whatever the solution is, it, it's got to be convenient, convenient, affordable, yeah. you know, easy. And there has to be an education piece yeah. to it. And there's right? an education piece yeah. where I'm actually showing like, hey, if you don't want us to make stuff, here's also stuff that you can do at home on your own, get the kids involved. Because I think that's a big thing too, is like we don't involve our kids in the, in the process of making our food. Uh-huh. So when the food is on their table, like, why'd you give me this? You know, right. and so now it's like involving the whole family if they have time. Because we also know, like you said, you got single parents or whatever working two, three jobs. I was raised in a single family household. You know, my mom was working her ass off because she was a manager for uh, Bell South or Pacific Bell, but it was Southwestern uh-huh. Bell where we were. And as a black person in the 80s, as a managing role, a black lady at that, she was putting in extra hours that the white guy that worked under her wasn't even putting in because mm-hmm. she had to show that she was capable of this job. Right. So, you know, I ate chicken damn near every night because it was frozen chicken from Sam's Club. Yeah. It was easy. I unplugged uh, my microwave. Yeah. <clears throat> Told my daughters it was broke. <laughs> and they found out. <laughs> but, <laughs> and then one day I just started putting, Koya Webb taught me, I just put a whole bunch of dishes in there. So when they went to use it, it was already, they didn't <laughs> They were too lazy. Yeah. They were too lazy to do it, yeah. <laughs> I made them. That was all it took. Just put some dishes in there and just never got used again. Yeah, they had to learn how to cook. And I was, I'm glad you said that. I'm glad teaching. It's it's a trip. It's a thing that hasn't been around. My mother made me learn how to do everything. But yeah, it's, uh, I can't wait for your movie to come out. It's exciting, man. Thank you. It's exciting. I know like COVID has like pushed it back a little bit. Yeah. I I want to retape because I got more muscles now. now I've been been able to work out. I'm I'm framing my body back. I think I was really soft in that. (laughs) I think my body was soft. I I Um, want my body stronger. The power that a document like that holds to really shift culture is is super exciting. Yeah. Yeah. And that and it's where, look, you know, the whole vegan thing, the vegan movement, it's so super whitewashed, you know, it's this super. like, you know, aspiration of like the well healed. And, yeah. you know, that needs to get that narrative needs to get shifted. And, yeah. you know, the fact that you're doing that is But you know what I found out um when um and I'm gonna say it this way, when white folks are vegan and are into natural um, way of eating, they are more empathetic and they understand slavery. What I mean by that, they don't know it directly, but they don't want the animals enslaved and Mm -hmm. they will understand the horrific treatment of animals and that black folks at one time were submitted to the same level and still considered that it's a better feeling when I'm around vegans, then I'm around a flesh eater. When I'm around a flesh eater, you know, they still think, well, I can take my gun and go shoot yeah. a deer and then I'm cool. And I go, why don't you go hunting with it? Everybody got a gun. Right. <laughs> Let's see how like good you are. Yeah, when they call hunting a sport, it's like, no, a sport yeah. is <laughs> when all parties involved know yeah. they're a part of the game. Yeah. Like the animal doesn't have a fucking clue. Yeah. Like, <laughs> give give when, you, that when you think about it, the the overlap between, you know, how I would like to think about myself approaching this situation and my, you know, how I think about veganism. I mean, there's a huge overlap, right? This is mm-hmm. about like compassion. It's about 
you know, being open to new ideas. It's about, um, you know, challenging your assumptions and, un, you know, sort of undoing some of that programming. Like we, right. none of us were born vegan. We, we lived a certain right. way and ate a certain way. We made a change. And, you know, I, I would like to believe that it's made me a more compassionate person. Um, but it has been interesting to kind of watch how the vegan community is grappling with what's happening right now. Mm. And, you know, some are doing it well and some are not. And that's disheartening to me because this is about compassion. Mm. And I would hope that everybody can, you know, think about that a little bit in terms of like how they're communicating yeah. and navigating yeah. what's happening. Yeah, and I think I, I think also it's just that one thing that I saw that was kind of like, kind of weird is that how you'll see vegans compare modern day agriculture, animal agriculture to slavery. It's like, well, if you speak that way, then why wouldn't you speak up for the descendants of that same slavery? Like, mm. like that's the funny thing. Like, they feel like they can't speak up about it. Oh, no. We only speak up for the animals. Like, yeah, but if you are going to use slavery as your your speaking note, then you got you can't be hypocritical about it. Now you have to remember. You know what I'm saying? Like, and I see that so many times across the board. They'll use that so fast. It's like modern day slavery. Mm. Okay, well then, if it's modern day slavery, you understand how powerful slavery was, and how it trickled down, and how the effects can still be here, mm-hmm. but you don't say anything. That's you know. Sad. We we on rich roll now. They gotta say it. He's gonna edit this shit with <laughs> with about fifteen minutes yeah. of sponsors in the front. Right, like and he's gonna trust let me. us somebody roll. Will, somebody will figure out how to put I me still on blast. Do gotta go yeah, 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 yeah. But rich, yeah. no bullshit. I do have. To I know, go get and my I was daughter. gonna wrap this up anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I knew it. No, that was my thing. I'm gonna just keep going until John has to pull the plug. <laughs> so, no, stop that all lives matter. No, shit. I'm a, um, I'm an empty nester. My my yeah. kids are away. That's and true. it's just me, my wife, and my puppy. And I was like, Beautiful. hey, what's your name? She goes, my name is Natasha. I've been <laughs> married to you for 29 years. I was oh, I was, I was wondering who this redhead was in the house. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Cool, man. Well, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it, man. I and really do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you. I'm trying, man. That's right. I gave it to you. <laughs> all right. Official? Official. All the way from Killer Mike um, to me to your you. Your membership card is in the mail. It should get here within the You know it's going to be late. Because I'm going to flash that thing. You know it's going to be late. Let's go with the stereotype. It's going to be late. And it might have a little bit of barbecue Awesome. <laughs> we're going to do some stereotyping. Right. Oh, wait. So I, I want to speak about this. This is good. So anybody can do the research. So I was, I found out today that they, when you talk about the, the trickle down effect of racism and how it's just been in place for so long. So, you know, the ice cream man, you know, the truck, when it comes around and it has that song playing in the background. So there was a song that that actually came from. And in the lyrics, it was like, niggers love watermelon in the song. So it is, it's a post-up right now. And they actually, it was recorded for Columbia Records in like 1926 or 36. I think yeah, 21. Really? Uh, 21. Maybe 21, yeah. Maybe. So they, you can find the song and the, vid- the video that went along with it is like this gray and white cartoon depiction of blackface. And these, like they showing them being excited about um, eating watermelon, excited about being at home. It's just... So it's like those little things, they they turn that, and of course, they made it like an instrumental out of it. But that shows you how long shit has just been thrown into black people's face. And they're like, no, nah, get over it. It's like, no, nah, you don't get over it. Like Jingle Bells, too. Yeah, Jingle Bells. Really? Yeah. 
Jingle Bells, the national anthem. Like, yeah. you know, like, and I, we don't even have to go in detail. Just people start Googling the actual lyrics to these songs. And then you see why people get frustrated. It's like, dude, this shit's right in our face. But everybody's like, just get over it. It's okay. It's okay. Like, think, no, it's not okay. Yeah, this is going to be a great year, 2020. How about 1920? <laughs> it was is the raging yeah. 20s, right? Yeah. That was yeah. that was a thing. It was, you know, it was the raging 20s. It was like roaring 20s. Roaring 20s. Roaring 20s. Roaring 20s. Yeah. Roaring 20s. Like, so we're the, like the COVID 20s. Yeah. <laughs> But we got to come up with this 20s is something. It, yeah. It's something. And I don't know what it is, yeah. but every but They said it years, was vision. Uh, I, like I honestly think it is the year of vision. I think it's just showing us some things we weren't really looking for. Mm-hmm. But it's showing us a lot of shit. Yeah. Like 2020 is showing that us a sure. lot. Yeah, we can sure. do it. We, we can do a lot. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's like we can do a lot. And I say that. My, my mother passed this year and then... Uh, the day after I buried her, Kobe died. And then that was tremendous. And then we got locked down. Mm-hmm. And then the economy happened, uh, crashed. And then uh, President Trump took over the Fed. And then uh, what happened? Hillary, Double lockdown. Mm-hmm. Hillary's in court. Uh, for- and you know, you know what was crazy about that too? Like, I always, I, he'll tell you, I randomly just hit him up all the time. Like, hey, just want to see if he was all right. Just see if he was up. And I don't know, something gave me a feeling. And that's when I I, I texted him. He was cleaning out his mom's apartment at the time. Uh-huh. And something just told me to text him. Like, I, 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 half the time, he don't even fucking respond. Like, that's, that's not true. Uh, that's not true. true. <laughs> <It's> true. <laughs> but he'll hit me back later, though. Like, uh-huh. and, and that, But that's our relationship. Like, he'll hit me like, hey, man, you need to watch this. Take care of this. Like, and a big brother mentor kind of like thing that we got. So, and then when he hit me back about his mom, I'm like, Damn, like I just, but something told me to hit him up. And Mm -hmm. then right after that, it's funny because I was in LA. I was like, hey, I'm in LA. I'm letting you know because I know if I come to LA and I don't tell him, even if I don't see him, it's a problem. If I come Uh to LA and he find out later that I was in LA. So I was like, hey, I'm in LA. He's so lucky I don't chase broads anymore. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And so, like, (laughs) I told him, I told him, like, yo, like, I'm in LA. He's like, oh, man, I'm doing this. And then the next, day was Kobe and I was like shit so I that had to hit him back day. so I had to yeah. hit him back after that I was like damn man I just heard about Kobe man like uh, I, I know you was close with Kobe so I hope you good man if you need crazy. I'm like if you need me I'm here but if you right. I'm one of those people too like I don't I, I hate hitting up people during like bad times cause I already know 8,000 people hitting them up you know but what I'm saying but it's better mm-hmm. it's always good people need to know this hit people up during the tough times not right, the right, good right, times. Right, right. Then when it when shit is flying, don't hit them and see. I see you balling, yeah, yeah, mama. Yeah. Don't hit them with that. You know, clap from a distance. But when it's tough times, let people know. Yeah, and that, that, that's why I told them. I was like, hey, if you need to call me back, I'm here. If not, dude, I totally yeah. understand. I'm not one of the people like, well, I called them and they didn't call me back. It's like, no, nah, that's ego. Yeah. Like, let that person deal with the situation how they got to deal. Just with Just let them know you're there. Yeah, just let them yeah. know I'm here. If you need me, you probably don't need me. But if so, I'm here. Yeah, we should re-interview. I'm getting my muscle back. Look at that. Look yeah. at that. Look at that. It's coming back, Rich. <laughs> that baby uh, boss. Good luck, lesson to put a pin in it. Yeah, Got to get John out of here, man. He's getting antsy. Yeah. All right. Yeah, Stay vegan. Thanks, guys. Yes, Shit. man. Peace. Thank you, man. Lance. Much love to everybody. So that happened. What'd you guys think? I'm not quite sure what that was, but it was something, right? 
It was definitely something. Much love to Mr. Sally and Lewis for sharing their truth today. Please check out the show notes on the episode page where I have enumerated a large catalog of resources, articles, books, films, and nonprofits related to today's discussion and current events at large. Check out the trailer for They're Trying to Kill Us on my Instagram page or on YouTube. And let these gentlemen know how this one landed for you by doing it on the socials. You can find Sally at John Sally on Instagram and at the John Sally on Twitter. And John Lewis is, of course, at Badass Vegan on Instagram and Twitter. If you'd like to support the work we do here on the show, subscribe, rate, and comment on it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, all the places. Share the show or your favorite episodes with friends or on social media. I love that. And you can support us on Patreon at richroll.com forward slash donate. Thanks to everybody who helped put on today's show. Jason Camiello for audio engineering, production, show notes, and interstitial music. Blake Curtis for videoing the show and creating all the clips. How do you guys like the new studio setup? It's pretty badass. Jessica Miranda for graphics. Davey Greenberg for today's portraits. DK for advertiser relationships and theme music by Tyler Pyatt, Trapper Pyatt, and Hari Mathis. Appreciate you guys. I love you. See you back here in a couple of days with another amazing episode. Until then, be well. Treat your fellow brothers and sisters with gratitude and kindness. Peace. Plants. Namaste.